Well, happy Mother's Day to all the moms that are here with us today in person, and happy Mother's Day to those of you who are in our outdoor venue, and for those who are watching online. Happy Mother's Day. Please turn your Bibles this morning to the Old Testament book of Exodus, and we're going to be in chapter 16 today. The sermon notes with three points are at novachurch.org or on your Nova Community Church app. You know, as in, our, in our series on the book of Exodus, it's pretty amazing that we find ourselves right here today in chapter 16 with the Israelites, and we'll read all the way through it, with the Israelites grumbling against God, especially in the midst of one of the most incredible displays of God's mighty power and his mercy and his blessing. For the Israelites, it's been 30 days now. It's been 30 days of freedom after 400 years of slavery under Egypt's strong and brutal hand. And before this moment, God showed up through a series of plagues with a historic miracle known as the Passover. And with death felt in every Egyptian household, Pharaoh's will was finally broken and the Israelite slave chains were cut free. And after the escape from Egypt, God led his people into a literal corner of the desert wilderness with only the Red Sea in front of them. And in the background, they could almost hear Pharaoh and the Egyptian armies deciding that they want their slaves back, and so they're, they're coming after him. And then God parts the sea, and the Israelites walk across on dry land. And the Egyptians, they give chase, of course, and they're, they're in the middle of the Red Sea on appears to be muddy ground, and God sends them into confusion as they cross, and the waters close in on them into their final destruction. And now, after 30 days, they move into the desert of sin. Now, it's not that word picture of what English speakers think of as sin. It's just the name of the desert we're going to read. And as we read in chapter 16, I want us to key in on two things. Responses, response of God and the response of the Israelites. Verse 1, let's take a look at this in Exodus 16. It says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. Now, Sinai is where they will receive the Ten Commandments. They haven't received those yet. And by the way, it was God's plan for them to enter into the Promised Land one year after they left Egypt. But because of their disobedience, it took 40 years. And so here we are, verse 1. The whole Israelite community sent out from Elam, and on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt, in the desert the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. 
but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. What? I mean, is anyone thinking that right now? For 400 years, you were oppressed slaves. And those were the good old days? It can't be. Look at verse 4. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm sick and tired of the whining and complaining. I'm going to send a bolt of lightning to wipe all of you out. (laughs) Take a look at God's amazing response to the grumbling. Remember, we're thinking of the responses today. God says, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Verse 5, on the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Now, here, every seventh day, God instructs them to gather, or the sixth day, God instructs them to gather double. In verse 6, it says, So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you the meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards, toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you'll be, you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. And that evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Now in Hebrew, the phrase, what is it, sounds a lot like manna. And so we see here in verse 15, Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. Verse 17, the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. Take a look at this in verse 20. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it till morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omeras for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow, 
is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it till morning as Moses commanded and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Verse 27, Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you, that's the southern you all here, how long will you all refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two, for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are, on the, they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. And then the next few verses uh, say that they took some of the bread and put it in the Ark of the Covenant as a reminder that God always provides. This is God's word today. You know, in this Exodus series, we get to sort of pull back the curtain and peer into the lives of the Israelites. And one of the constant themes is that God's way is better than our way. And we get to see the response of the people when they discover God's way is different than their way, but his way is always better. And they're confronted with a reality that they want to be in control. And we find that their response is not a response of gratitude and of joy and of contentment, but their response is what? It's fear and grumbling. And as the Israelites were traveling through the region, the region was sparse with resources. It was rugged. It was vast. And you can imagine, if you're out on a hike and food is not readily available because you're in the desert, it's a wilderness. And all these people, all together, they're moving together and they're running out of food and they know they're running out of food. In this moment, it becomes very serious. It becomes life or death to them as they think about it. But what's their response? What is the response of the people here? We see, we, we, we look at their response and we, we think we know what their response should be in that moment, to trust in God. And we know that God supernaturally delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians in slavery. He supernaturally provided for them in every single way. And these people had no reason to not believe in God, that, he would, that God wouldn't show up in the moment. They had no reason to believe that. But instead, they grumbled. They were fearful. They wanted control. And instead of responding in faith, they responded in fear. So how about us? That's their story. What's our story? How are you doing today? What do you do in your life when you find yourself 
in a desert place. What do you do in your life when you find yourself in a wilderness? In your notes today, I have, I have three points, three pretty simple points for today, but boy, they were meaningful for me this week. Some of you today find yourself in a desert place. And some of you aren't in the desert place today, but you will be tomorrow or sometime in the future. Or some of you today, you're not in a desert place or you won't be in a desert place tomorrow, but you feel like you're coming out of the desert, a desert season in your life. Now, a desert place, let me be real with this analogy here, is a time of trial, a time of trouble. A desert season in your life is a time of testing. It's a time of scarcity. It's a time of sickness, could be. It's a time of conflict with those you love the most, perhaps. Perhaps for you, it's a time of depression or a time of confusion or a time of grief or a time of insecurity. So when you find yourself in the desert place, number one, it doesn't always mean that you took a wrong turn. It doesn't mean you did something wrong. Our culture tends to be one that's so quick to judge. It seems more than ever before, our world just is so quick to judge and to be critical of other people. Our, our world is quick to judge and, and if someone's life is, is troubled just even a little bit, People just go to that place and say, you must have done something wrong, or something's wrong with you, and it's a judgment on you. So when we're going through this time of testing, we're going through this time of trouble, what do we do? Because our world is so mean sometimes, we just put on a happy face. Things are just fine. How are you doing? Fine. I'm fine. And we don't say anything for fear that you're going to be judged. And even our, our, just our, our, our region where we live, it's, it's middle, upper class. You know, it's expensive to live here. It's, everyone looks good all the time. And people will say, you know, if you just work hard, just study hard. How about that? We'll start there. If you just study hard and, uh, and you get good grades, we'll, we'll start there. You study hard, you get good grades, um, and then you find yourself, you go to the, a, a good college, and you graduate, hopefully you graduate, and then you'll get a good job. Then you'll meet the person of your dreams. You'll get married, you'll buy a house, have 2.4 kids. And then one day you'll retire and you'll live the South Bay dream, right? And that's hard to live up to. I think we all, we all sense that. And then let's layer on top of that. That's just the sort of regional South Bay dream. Layer on top of that, now you're a Christian. And so... On top of all the studying, get good, get good grades, go to college, get a good job, blah, 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 all that stuff. 
uh, we go to church on Sundays, be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And then, of course, we send our kids to Nova Kids where they'll learn all about Jesus. And then they'll go to VBS, and if, when they grow up, they'll go to middle school weekend, and then they'll go to high school Hume Lake camp, and they'll get baptized, and we'll all serve in ministry, and everything is going to be on this upward trajectory because that's how we do it, right? But the truth is, a desert season in life doesn't always mean that you took a wrong turn. And when I believe that the lie, when I believe the lie that a desert season means that I took a wrong turn, I tend to take matters into my own hands. I want to grip my life a little bit tighter because we jump into that conclusion that this could not possibly be where God wants me to be in the desert. But in this case, with the Israelites, it was. God led him to this wilderness place. A few chapters earlier, we saw that God was guiding them with a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. And when it was time for them to move, the pillar would, would, would lead them. It would guide them. So when you're following God, and God leads you to a desert place, a place of, of difficulty and testing and trial, it probably is not going to be fun or happy. So it's okay for you not to put a smile on your face. But if God is leading you in the desert, stay there. It's not great, but stay there. Don't grumble, don't panic, don't complain, don't run, don't try to take control. Just keep trusting and following God, and he'll lead you out. So I'm, I'm calling all of us, let's normalize desert places in our life. Can we do that? Because I know sometimes, and I've heard some of you, when you're going through a difficult time in your life, oh, I don't want to go to church on Sunday. And I know why. Because once you have a little frown on your face, someone's going to go, what's wrong with you? And people are going to want to change you. And here, here's a Bible verse. Here's a, you know, here's some good food. Here's, you know, all of, I mean, that's wonderful, but you're in a desert place. Let's just normalize that for us. Wouldn't it be wonderful if, if on a Sunday there could be people that are very joyful and then there are people who are really grieving and sad. And it's all, it's all okay. How many of you would like that? Not the desert place, but you know. Um, but to be an honest place. Be an honest place. I don't think we're there yet. Although being in a desert place doesn't always mean you took a wrong turn, Let's be honest, though. Sometimes we get in a difficult season in our life because we were stupid, right? We did take the wrong turn. And the good news is this, though. The way out of a desert season is always the same. Whether you chose it, you did something stupid and you're in a desert place, or that God led you to a desert place, the response is always the same. We obey and we follow God. Number one, 
when you're in a desert season, it doesn't always mean you took a wrong turn. Number two, you will discover when you're in a desert season, you will discover that God is enough. Joshua and the worship team led us with that, with this song, the Honey and the Rock song, that, that God is enough. When you feel stuck in the desert and you're thinking, God, I need water, God, I need food, God, I need relief, you will discover that God will deliver, has a special delivery system for you. And that delivery system is like this, just enough, just in time. It's always like that. That when you're crying out to God because you're in a desert season, you're sick or you're depressed or you're grieving or it's hard, God has a delivery system for you and it goes like this, just enough, just in time. Many times when I'm having a hard time, we look far into the future and we think, oh man, what I'm going through today, I don't think I can go through tomorrow. You don't have to do that. Because God gives us just enough, just in time. And with this delivery system, he teaches us to trust in him. I, you know, I, 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 I see this on my news feed and my social media and when I watch the news on TV and things like that. And it causes me to have some concern. How many of you are worried about how, where our world is going? You know, it's, it's pretty tough out there, right? I mean, we, all this stuff. All, we're worried about where our world, the economy, and nah, 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 it just kind of goes on and on and on. And whether or not you believe this or not, I, I, I'm not sure, but I really think my news feeds that I read, I see, I watch, are telling me that everything is falling apart. Everything's going downhill, and anarchy is going to break out any second, right? And what does that cause in me? It causes all this concern in me. Even my social media, it's what I don't really know about, it, but I read about it. It's, it's, it's developed this algorithm that will flan, fan the flame of my deepest concern. And it does that. But God has not abandoned us. The psalmist writes in Psalm 23, I read it this morning in my devotional time, my time with God this morning. The psalmist writes about the shepherd heart of God. And it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? Death valley. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. There are valleys, there are deserts, there are wilderness seasons in our life. But I don't have to fear evil because God is walking with me through that time. I sometimes wish, you ever watch those shows, um, uh, Doom, Doomsday Preppers, right? It's, it's a fun show. It's always the same, but it's a fun show. Um, I wish my spiritual life worked like the Doomsday Prepper people. These uh, survivalists, they store water like you couldn't believe and they store their dehydrated food, right? And all solar energy and all this other stuff that they, you know, and they store all the away, stuff away because when the inevitable, in their mind, when the inevitable happens, 
They're ready. In fact, they're so ready. They're like, bring it on right now. I want it to happen now, right? And I think in the spiritual life, sometimes I, I wish we could store up Bible reading. You know, I, I spent probably about 15 minutes this morning. And if I was like a doomsday prepper survivalist, spiritual survivalist, I'd be like, I'll do, I'll do 10 minutes more, and then I'll store it away, right? Or even prayer. You know, just, if we just pray a little bit more, maybe a little bit more fervently, we'll just put it in that warehouse container thing. Or, or uh, blessings. Oh, I got all kinds of blessings. I got so many blessings. I'm going to sort of take these for today and take this, and I'll store that away in my little storehouse. Then I can go through life and say, bring it on, Satan. Go ahead. Bring it on. I'll be like the spiritual survivalist. And when tough times hit, I'll go to my spiritual warehouse and I'll open that door to get those, that extra Bible reading, that extra prayer, that extra blessing, and I'll find that it's full of maggots and it stinks because you can't do that. God doesn't work that way. The principle of manna is the principle of his provision. And his provision comes just enough and just in time. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3 in your notes is kind of this retelling of Exodus. And it says here in, in verse 3 in Deuteronomy 8, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. God did this. He put you in a desert place to teach you reliance on him, not reliance on yourself. So when you're in a desert place, when you're there in that desert place, God is asking you, am I enough for you today? And yes, there'll probably be a lot of tears in your life in the desert place, and there'll probably be sleepless nights, but God is building your trust in him by being just enough, just in time. So, when you find yourself in the desert place, number one, it doesn't always mean you took a wrong turn. Number two, you will discover that God is enough. And number three, your doubt will draw you close to God. Your doubt will draw you close to God. There is good news with this, and there is challenging news. It's like two sides of the coin. It's like Two edges of the sword. What do you want to hear first? The good news or the challenging news? Okay, we'll go with the good news first. <laughs> Exodus chapter 16, verse 4 says that you see that God met them in their fear and in their doubt and in their complaining. And you find that God really is a God of unmerited favor and forgiveness. And some of you today might be feeling like you've made some really bad mistakes and you've hurt others and you've been kind of dumb in so many ways in your life. But until your last breath, God is always drawing you towards him. And you might be 30 days out from some of the most incredible miracles in the history of the world 
and wanting, still wanting to control your circumstances and your grumbling and your complaining. And God says to you, the good news is, I want to bless you, even though you're grumbling, even though you're complaining. That's the good news. And here's the challenging news, the other side of the coin. Sometimes we confuse God's patience and his grace and his mercy with his weakness. And even though God is patient and he's full of grace and full of forgiveness, there is a time when God says, enough is enough. And we'll see later, we won't talk about it today, but we'll see later in our series on Exodus that God, God provides and is patient with the Israelites, but eventually God says, that's enough. And our challenge today is found in Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, when God says, in this way I will test them to see if they will follow my instruction. And this message is about those of us who, that are in the desert places in our life. But I do want to address those of you who are just about to be delivered from the desert place, all the troubles and the trials in your life. When you get delivered from the desert, there is a temptation to say to God, thanks God, I'll take it from here. And that's not what God wants. We presume upon his blessing. And when God delivers us, he's demonstrating his mercy and his care and his love for us. And he wants to test you. He wants to test our hearts to see that if we'll continue to follow him. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says, it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And Exodus 16 is an encouragement for those who are in the desert season in their life. And it is a challenge for those who have been delivered from the desert. And those who have been delivered from the desert, God is saying, who am I to you? How are you going to continue to follow me? You see, God meets us in our doubt and he tests us in our blessings. Today, we found that if you're in the desert place, that it doesn't always mean you took a wrong turn. Number two, we'll discover that God is enough. And number three, your doubt will draw you closer to God. Let's pray together.